0: Welcome to the Non-Standard 14er Podcast, the podcast that brings you everything the root description leaves out about hiking Colorado's 14ers. I'm sitting here in a yurt in Lake City, Colorado, by a roaring fire. I'm uh, joined here by my co-host, Jaser Jack.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody?
0: And our guests, uh, Tay Jack. Hey! And the exiled Michigander. What it is. <laughs> Uh, In this episode of the Non-Standard 14er Podcast, we're talking about the northernmost 14er in the Sawatch Mountain Range, named for its distinctive cross-shaped couloir on its east face. The first recorded scent of easily the most rugged 14er in the Sawatch Range was by Hayden and by photographer W.H. Jackson. Some call it a shy peak, and the most famous cross-shaped couloir is best viewed from Notch Mountain Shelter. Most views of the cross are earned by getting above treeline. You don't get to see the Notch Mount, uh, the famous couloir from just anywhere. You can see a great view from Vail, Vail ski resorts, but most of the uh, views are earned about by hiking. So we're joined here, we're sitting actually in a yurt about a mile and a half uh, from Lake City, Colorado. We had to skin up here into this yurt. It's about zero degrees outside, it's snowing, we're sitting around the roaring, wood-burning fireplace, we have our computer and our microphone, and we're going to talk about our experiences hiking Holy Cross. I'm joined today by a couple of our guests. One of our guests, the exiled Michigander, has done over 114er summits, and has finished all the 14ers. He's almost done all of them more than once, and most of them he's done several different routes. So he brings a lot of knowledge, a lot of um uh, what, is, what do you bring?
1: Bad acid. I don't know what I bring. Red beard, <laughs> liquor? Perspective? I, I think I
0: bring a party attitude
2: to most of these. And, you know, I have a lack of root-finding skills, and I have, I don't have any ability to pack light. So, yeah, you shouldn't do any of the fourteeners like I did them. So so that's what i to do.
1: I will say yeah. that Sean... I'm a bad it. example.
2: I'm, you know, like that's... That Mr. Bad Example song by <laughs> Warren Zevon, that's that's who I am.
1: I will chime in, though. You are being humble. Sean Exiled Michigander, as we call him. He's got a lot of wisdom to share, and I think if anybody, you know, in any um, trying situation, it's really important to have a positive mental attitude, and Sean exhibits that and uh, has a ton of wisdom to share. So he's a great guest to have on the show. We're honored to have him and um, great great guy to listen to on this kind of stuff.
0: One of my first experiences with Sean was hiking uh, – Quandary, quandary on uh, Halloween. So I was in Colorado for a couple months. Did greys and tories, beerstad and cotton socks. This is what a you know what what a sourdough this guy was.
2: Um, he, he hiked sourdough. up without no,
0: sourdough. Sourdough is an experienced...
2: Oh, is it Chichaco? Yeah, Chichaco okay, a... Chichaco. This is what a Chichaco this guy was. He hiked, t- tried to do quandary in in the snow with cotton socks no what, what, those of what, you who uh, are listening to this podcast know cotton kills
3: <laughs> so we
2: got you know halfway up and he was complaining about how cold his feet wa- were and
0: well so i did grays and tories in september and i didn't realize there was to be that much snow in october in colorado and we were p- quickly post-holing and a bunch of snow below treeline in quandary and we keep kept going about thirteen thousand feet on quandary there's a false summit and we thought we were almost to the summit and Sean said, Hey, give me your camera. I'll take you a picture of you summiting. And we were about <laughs> two mi- two hours away from <laughs> oh, the summit. Oh, no. Yeah, was but yeah I was probably going to look at Frostbite. So he, Sean took his sh- sock and shoe off and switched me. And we punky brewstered it all the way to the summit. And, uh, that's a
3: good man. We have
0: photos. Came back.
3: Oh, that's yep. a
0: good man. And then, and then I had to cut my big toe off because I, <laughs> <So> I got stuck <laughs> on yeah, my that's, tooth. Yeah, sorry.
1: Not only is he wise, he's kind. That's cool. So it
0: brings a lot of experience. We're glad to have him. He currently lives in Salt Lake City. And so we get a couple times a year he comes out to Colorado and we do some backcountry or some crazy long hikes. Um, so uh, welcome, uh, Exile Machine. It's the to, 14er to podcast. It's
2: awesome to be here. It's, you guys have so much knowledge about the 14ers that I don't have the history and the culture and all of that. So, yeah,
0: happy to be part of this. Kick this podcast off, we'll start with a little Henry Wadsworth longfellow Ooh. published the Cross of Snow. There is a mountain in the distant west that sun defining in its deep ravines displays a cross of snow upon its side. Such is the cross I wear upon my breast through eighteen years through all the changing scenes and season changeless since the day she died. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know Just about no Longfellow.
0: <laughs> I ain't saying she's
2: a Longfellow,
0: but she ain't broken with.
1: It. <laughs> long
2: okay,
0: long the first <laughs> the first couple lines is: "There is a mountain in the distant west that sun-defying in its deep ravines displays a cross of snow upon its side." Well, the thing,
2: one of the things that fascinates me about the story is that there was like this rumor, apparently, at the end of the 19th century, like that some place in the mountains of the west. There was this cross that was perfectly on a mountain, and like people went hiking for it, and it wasn't until what was the photographer's name? Uh, Jackson. Yeah, that he that he, like he took a picture of it, and people were like, "Wow, this does exist. It wasn't. It's not just a
1: rumor. It's actually kind of a neat story." The other thing I like is that in the Sawatch Range, it both the the no- northernmost point and the southernmost point both have religious significance. You have the Angel of Chavano, and then the Holy Cross on the northernmost point, and both are kind of religious icons in the same range, which is kind of fun.
0: Yeah, so the original
1: story is there
0: was a bunch of uh, priests trying to get to New Mexico, and they were lost in the mountains, and they said the uh, the fog just opened up and revealed the cross of snow, and it gave them inspiration to get back to New Mexico. So the, the famous painting is, that's why you see the famous painting is the one that has the fog and, like, the cross shaped oh, wow. around, like, oh, the, wow. the, pro- oh, wow. that's cool. the fog and the mist lift, lifting above Holy Cross. I got all sorts of history we can sprinkle out through this podcast, but let's talk about some routes. I've done Notch Mountain Shelter. You've done the North Ridge, standard North Ridge route. Sean's done... Taylor Ridge. But you've done the North Ridge or you did the whole circle? I did the whole circle. So how'd you do it? So I,
2: I hiked up. You know my orienteering skills, so I, I hiked up and I was going to try to get to the Notch Mountain Shelter. That was back in the days where you could spend the night in it. I ended up hiking past the turnoff for the Notch Mountain Shelter. I had to bivy um, on the way, and then the next night, next morning I went up to the Notch Mountain Shelter. It was too late to do the Halo Ridge. Spent one more night in the Notch Mountain Shelter, and then I did Halo Ridge around and came back down. And that was before
0: they opened Tiguan Road? Yes. Yep, I had to hike up all, all of you Tiguan Road. Added an extra eight miles? Yeah. That's so early June. Each way, right?
2: Um, it was either I can't remember. If it was late May or early June, but sometimes in there. Wow. Is it was, each, it was each, late enough that the mosquitoes were crazy. We'll <gasps> get to. I'm sure we'll get to mosquitoes later.
0: So mosquitoes are a defining point in the when I did you know the North Ridge and Camp near in July. But so it's to, to give some uh, points here. We're talking about. Uh, the trailhead right off of uh, near Minturn, so you're heading on uh, I-70, and then you get off Tennessee Pass headed toward Leadville, and you go through the small town of Minturn, and you get off right there and go on Tiguan Road. It's an eight-mile um, dirt road that gets you up to the Half Moon Trailhead. And that uh, that road is closed until at least the second weekend of June cause for elk calving. So if you want to do it earlier, if you want to do it in the winter, you want to do it in the spring for the the uh, Halo, uh, the, the cross cool war climb, you got to add an extra 16 miles round trip
3: Ooh.
0: which so so
2: from my opinion it's well worth the cost to to have another 16 miles and not have as many people around i would pay that price anytime that's me personally
1: what was the road like were you skidding skinning or on snowshoes or just No no it was,
0: it, was, it was fine it was just a gravel road and you just had to hike up so and so at half moon Trailhead, there is uh, two routes the normal route goes up the North Ridge, and that would get you to the either you would do the Cross court or the North Ridge, and then the other side. I kind of liken it to if if the trailhead starts at twelve o'clock, I think the other route starts like at nine o'clock, goes the other way, around the other ridge, and it goes up Notch Mountain Shelter, which gives you to that famous shelter that looks across the valley, which is probably the best view of the of the Cross.
2: For certain, I mean it. So the Forest Service has now taken the position that they've locked the, the Notch Mountain Shelter. They don't let people stay oh, there. Lo- it wasn't
0: locked when I was there. Oh, it wasn't locked? No, but you're not allowed to camp there. Yeah.
1: It's a lightning shelter.
2: But, but, but like the year after I did it, they, they said that you can't camp there, which I think, I don't know, I, I disagree with that position. I, I understand the reasons that they did it for sustainability. They didn't want people defecating all around that area, but I think very few people did that. But it was an amazing experience when you could spend the night in the shelter, um, watch thunderstorms in the mountain, wake up in the morning, watch the Alpenglow on the Holy Cross, and then do Halo Ridge. But why do that route? I think, well, I mean, that's the only route that you get the views of the cross, for one. Two, it's a just a great ridge that loops around. I mean, it's really a circle route that you do. Um, and you can see the cross the entire time. You can see it changing as it you shift one way and then the other.
0: You can't see it until you get above the well, thirteen to two the, to two the notch mount. Okay, so you're when you're on the ridge on the halo above thirteen two or so, and you're running that ridge around. Mm-hmm. You can see the cross for most of the, most of that time above treeline. Yeah.
2: So and it's a you know it's a endurance challenge. It's longer than the standard
0: route. But I think people should understand that you can't do, you can't see the actual cross, the iconic cross from the North Ridge Standard Route. And it's strenuous because you have to gain that 1,000 feet to get above half moon about 11.6. And then you have to drop that 1,000 feet into the East Cross Creek crossing.
2: And the one other, you know, the nice thing about doing the Halo Ridge Cross, uh, H- Halo Ridge Route, going up to the notchbound Shelter and around, is that you do descend what has become the Standard Route. So you do experience that if you do the whole Halo Ridge around and out.
0: But then if you're camping, you're taking your your camp or your tent or your bivvy with you the whole time. Right. So it adds a lot of weight. There's no water above
2: about, I don't know, 12,000 feet on that route. So you have to take water with you. So it's definitely a much more intense route to do. And how did
0: you two do it? Two so years ago?
1: We Yeah, we did it through the... Just over half moon up the the standard route, we chose to break it up into two days just because we had heard it's a great one to turn into a fun, lighthearted backpacking night. There were people that would do it um, in a day, and I think it's totally feasible. I think there's other standard routes that are longer than people do it in a day. It would be a long day, but I'd say if I were to do it again the the right way, I'd still do it again the same way twice. And I think the even though we missed the cross view, the iconic view of Holy Cross as you come over half moon you wonder where it is where it is you see grouse mountain you're like where that because you come around that corner it's just in your face just a vertical wall um still you know i haven't seen it from the notch Mountainside, side but in my mind equally is impressive and then some beautiful campsites down in there we may touch on some some camping pointers too um
3: yeah i really enjoyed the way we did it i really enjoyed camping down in the basin and making a two-day event out of
0: did you get a spot though we do it on a weekend <laughs>
1: Yeah. So we drove up on a on a Friday night and we must, we hiked in. Oh gosh, I think we got to the trailhead around seven. So we were hiking in in the dark and we had maybe just missed the last one. And, you know, this isn't something that I'm super proud of, but they say to not, you know, poach campsites, but there's only what, 10, 10 or 12 campsites in there.
3: Not even. Um, yeah. And so
1: we agreed with the party to be able to kind of share their site and we split the difference between camp one and two and kind of camped in a flat spot and left no trace and all that good stuff. But, um, there are only 12 spots. so If you're doing it on a weekend, go like Thursday night or first thing Friday morning. Um, and something too, that that's easy to miss. They have a sign on there that talks about the little system they have. Cause we rolled up on a couple people at night in their campsites. Um, apparently if you have a rock on top of your post, that means the campsites occupied. I don't know if that's unique to this area or throughout the state, but, um, that's something to keep in mind, too. If you roll in at night, just keep an eye on those posts. That's something I wish we would have done because we were kind of the assholes that rolled up on a couple of people's campsites. But yeah, there's a rock on
3: the post that's occupied. If not, it's all yours. Yeah,
1: but it was awesome little campsite. There's some good dispersed camping in there as well. And did you
0: have trouble with mosquitoes in, in the eat Creek right there camping Su- there?
1: Surprisingly, no, but I understand that's a pretty common thing for that area.
3: We traded mosquitoes for fire. That was something we didn't know at the time, but we woke up to do our early morning summit when it was still dark. And I knew that campfires were not allowed in the camping area. And I smelled, you know, smelled campfire. And so I told Jace jokingly that someone had not obeyed the rules. Yeah, broken the campfire rules. But as we started ascending and the sun was coming up, we noticed that it was a campfire. Not, not just a campfire, it was actually a forest fire that had moved in. And I-70 was closed.
1: It was it was like a dense fog, like almost raining ash. And then we turn around behind us and we, we're like, that sunrise is not coming from the east. And it was a glow of a fire, like two ridges over. And so I'm I'm panicked. I'm like, you know, there's fires everywhere. Like the safest thing we can do if there's a forest fire near us is get above tree line and, you know, get a cell signal on EVAC if we need one. But I Googled it and literally like... That afternoon, somebody in Mintern had, like, flicked their cigarette out, or near Minturn, the Mintern exit, and caused a fire along the entire road. And it closed I-70 both directions, and there was a forest fire. But, um, you know, the, the blessing was that it kind of cleared all the mosquitoes yeah, out. Yeah, we didn't have the mosquitoes. The curse was we had no view from the summit. Right, but
3: yeah. it's kind mm-hmm.
1: of a trade-off. So no mosquitoes for us, but I understand you, you guys had some pretty serious mosquito.
0: We did it a couple of years ago. We were going to the Chicago Basin for uh, Exile Michiganders finisher. it's so the weekend before, we hadn't done a 14-er all summer. So we did a two-day trip up in the North Ridge of Holy Cross. Uh, drove in Saturday, hiked in Saturday afternoon, went over Half Moon Pass. We had a funny experience because we were on Half Moon Pass, and you got that amazing view because it's a super rugged 14-er for mm-hmm. so a watch range 14-er. Most watch range 14-ers are real, you know, really sloping, not much character. Once you get up a Half Moon and see that weird view of the Holy Cross, is pretty amazing. But so once as soon as we got that weird view, we heard this buzzing over our heads, and it was a guy who was flying a drone. Who was hiking huh. in and flying a drone, in and getting the views of over Half Moon, who we later ran into on the summit, and so he. He cheated. He got the uh, the Holy Cross view without having to do Halo Ridge and go to the Notch Mountain Shelter and really earn the real view. He climbed the North Ridge and then ran his uh, drone a mile and a half across the valley over Notch Mountain, hovered over Notch Mountain Shelter and shot back and looked at the cross.
1: Is that wilderness in there?
0: <coughs> oh, yeah. So that's... You can't have drones and that's not... Yeah, it's... They're not... They're banned, right? But what about the mosquitoes? Bad. So we had. I I brought. I just always have like a two dollar net or whatever I bought from Walmart, and it weighs nothing, and I always have it in my pack. So I wore that a little bit of the of the trip up and down into the East Creek Crossing campsites, and then we had two giant cans of deet that we lent to our neighbors and used it throughout the. Throughout the day, there were several, like, small ponds, swampy areas right there by the the crossing that really seemed to harvest mosquitoes.
1: I think the nice part about mosquitoes is the trade-off is if if there's mosquitoes, you know there's water nearby, and that's the case with Holy Cross. So to to those that that are thinking of doing this in a two-day or even a one-day, you don't need to pack that much water because— On the North Ridge. Right, on the North Ridge, correct. I can't say that for Halo Ridge, but you've got a great water source at about the halfway point mileage-wise. Um filter some water, and then same on the way back, which we we thought was really beneficial,
0: but where would you filter water on the Halo ridge because it's a lot longer route? yeah, I, so I had to
2: filter water. there was a little stream coming down from notch Mountain as I made my way up like a, just a small trickle of water and that was my that was my water source to get me but just barely the above Hala tree line mm-hmm.
0: well, you're hours above tree line there yeah. no yeah. water source. Yeah,
2: so I was, you know, I didn't, and then I didn't have water till so I came back down the, the North Ridge to, um, what's the creek there?
0: East Creek Crossing. Yeah, East, East
2: creek. creek.
1: How many liters so, did you bring with you for that? From point, from like water to water? So I think I
2: filled up
0: two liters. That's it? So. For, was that enough? Yeah, I mean, it, it was fine, you know. You spent the night there without water? It was, mm-hmm. So you filled yeah. up water,
3: mm-hmm.
0: went all the way up to Notch Mountain Shelter, yeah. like 13 spent 2. The, yeah, spent the night, made saw the sunset. a mini cup of coffee.
2: And yeah then it was dehydrated
0: not. meal dehydrated meal yeah you
2: had to be used water very sparingly. Hmm. so that's the trade-off but i want to go back to the mosquitoes because so other members of this podcast who have hiked with know that i hardly ever put mosquito repellent on i grew up in the midwest mosquitoes were part of my life that you just deal with them I've hiked in the Uintas of Utah, where mosquitoes are like a known, like invasive force. And to this day, the worst mosquitoes I've ever encountered have been hiking up Holy Cross. Like these things are the size of flies. They land on you, like you, you, you swat them with your hand, and then you lift your hand up, and they like fly away, totally unfazed, and come <laughs> back and bite you again. Like it, it's it's it was psychotic the mosquitoes hiking up this thing. So, so I would recommend to anyone who's going to do this bring some mosquito repellent or net or something because they are pretty intense.
1: Is that for both routes?
2: Yes, because you you know, you're hiking up that Tiguan road probably if you're doing it early and if not you're still going up, you know, partially to the the half moon trailhead and then you split off from there. So it's still you're going to deal with mosquitoes either way. I think with, when you do the Halo Ridge, once you get up on top of the ridge, you don't have mosquitoes. From there, from there on, it's fine. But below that,
0: you're definitely gonna deal with mosquitoes. Did you run into any of those mountain spiders that the trip reports at fourteeners dot com talks I, about?
2: I saw some spiders, and they're pretty big, but I'm not. How big so. is big? Like quarter size. Like silver dollar. Yeah, like maybe nickel size. is what those. I saw.
0: When you're boulder hopping, and they're like in between the boulders, or yeah, what? I mean, there's there's webs
2: all over. Mm
3: -hmm. that's what i encountered Uh, was the web and
2: i you know again i think if you're frightened of spiders that might deter you from hiking this but um but so you see a lot of webs i saw maybe three spiders and they're they're bigger than your average spider but they don't really bother you (laughs) you do like you
0: see them and they scurry away and that's it but you were walking in and yeah, breaking the net, breaking the webs for Jace? There yeah,
3: was, um, I you was... You almost needed a
0: machete <laughs> through those trees. <laughs> yeah,
3: I was breaking trail, and it was from the East Creek Crossing. Uh, you know, we had woken up and going up, and before we got to the boulder field, walking through some of those trees, and, yeah, I swear, there was a ton of spider webs. It was bizarre. A- the amount, yeah, and the and amount of spider spiders. webs was pretty pretty intense so if you don't like spider webs or you don't like spiders definitely or don't mosquitoes. blaze trail maybe send someone else in front of you
0: were you doing the fake no one else knows why you're going like this?
3: yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly
0: <laughs> so we had a funny experience with the mosquitoes we uh, so there's a long route you had to regain that thousand feet and came back down and and, and camped and we had a dog with us and uh poor dog was so tired and it was just laying in the dirt so it had dirt all over its face and it's like sad looking face and there was just mosquitoes just buzzing <laughs> around their eyes i swear if you played the sarah mclaughlin song you could have got it on a late
1: in donate the, donate,
0: uh, donate. this exactly that's
1: great <laughs> it's funny maybe worth mentioning too that this is a, a pretty dog friendly one for a fit dog with tough paws we brought ours on it and i think it was number 13 or 14 for samson and um, saw a couple other dogs on there. It can be rough on their paws, but I think it's totally doable for a tough dog. Absolutely. I've heard other people ask about that, too. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, so you can keep Halo Ridge and uh, North Ridge to Class 2. Oh, yeah. Another route is the Cross Kowar, which would be Class 3, Upper Kowar. Is that right? Uh, it might even be Class 4, I'm not sure, but that's
2: that's much more. Yeah, it's a snow climb, so you're looking at Knowledge of crampons, ice hacks.
0: You know, it's not something a a beginner fourteen climber should attempt. When you were on the summit, did you look down the cross core? Because yeah, you didn't have to really. walk there, like twenty yards
2: to literally look down the And it's pretty int- I mean, I remember looking down it. And this was before I was I have mean, improved skiing since then, but I remember looking down it and thinking, Wow, people actually ski and snowboard this thing? So it was just seemed to me at the time straight down. It definitely gave me this zone uh, you
0: know. Yeah, it gave me the butt shivers. It was, yeah. It's steep looking. So all three of those routes start from, uh, take one road on Half Moon. Two of them start at 12 o'clock on the on night clock. One of them starts at 9 o'clock where you kind of circle Notch Mountain Shelter. You actually don't see much of it until you're above thirteen two. Mm-hmm. really when you see the shelter. Yeah. Uh, and then you really can't see Holy Cross from—you basically have to earn the view of the cross at Holy Cross. You can see it from parts of Vale. if you're up to the, kind of the back bowls of Vale, You can see it from greys on a good day, a real clear day, very small. In fact, that's what the history says, that the first person to ever see the cross was sitting on— uh, William Byer was sitting on greys when he first sighted the cross in 1869.
1: So greys was summited before yeah. the Holy Cross was
2: and I think, you know, take the cross out of it and just do, just do the, the standard, what has become the standard route. The Angelica Kulwar that you see is still <laughs> amazingly impressive. Mm-hmm. The route is still impressive. So I think if, if the Holy Cross couloir didn't exist, still be an amazing mountain. But I think if you are a Christian, there is something to be said for sitting on Notch Mountain and looking across at this cross. And having this mountain solitude to pray, reflect. For me, it was like one of the highlight highlights of my 14-er experience.
1: It's cool. So fun. if you can
2: do it, I would say it is it is worth it. If you have extra time, if you're willing to take extra water, extra weight with you. Um, it was easier back when you could spend the night in notch mountain shelter. You can't do that anymore. So that complicates things. But if you can do that, I think it's certainly meaningful. But the, the standard route... I mean, you can't go wrong with that either. It's a beautiful route. It's an amazing mountain. So,
1: It, it almost, it's, I think, the most impressive mountain in the Sawatch, in my opinion. And it almost reminds me of something in the Tetons, like where you come around and it's just so sheer and so pointy and so just prominent. You, like, look up at it and you're so close and you don't expect to be because you round that corner on half of It's, like, right in your face. It's just, it's massive and it's pointy and it's prominent and it's... Extremely rugged, impressive. Yeah, yeah. And that sheer, when you that that face when you stand on it on the top, is like sheer. Like you can sit and dangle your feet with a thousand feet of air underneath you. Almost it seems like it's pretty cool.
0: So i will to circle back to your the religious aspect here because that's exactly what some of the Denver pastors in the late 20s and 30s did. They pilgrim dropped a bunch of Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, members of their uh, congregation, and they said there was a bunch of you know. Um, Stories of miracles, one of the ones being a Denver pastor hikes up her, uh, some woman on crutches who's, uh, what's the word, um, lame or, and supposedly on the height, sight of seeing the Holy Cross, she supposedly grabbed her crutches, threw them down, and was able to walk down the, the mound back down uh, so to the church. So Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For another question. What was really interesting in researching some of this history was, uh, you ever hear handkerchief healing? No. If you look at Acts Acts 19:12, it says, so that, that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So chapter from Acts, New Testament. And so there was a bunch of pastors in Denver that would hike up handkerchiefs, people's handkerchiefs, several thousand handkerchiefs, bless them on Holy Cross or the Notch Mountain Shelter, and then distribute them across the world.
3: Interesting. Huh.
1: Sounds like a nice business idea. That's <laughs> <I know>, right. <laughs> Bring an extra pack of handkerchiefs. Yeah. Get ordained. and Something I think that's worth mentioning, too, that I've, I've read a lot of reports of these people. It's like a Bermuda Triangle on the standard route where people, it's like a gravitational pull to like go down the left side of that ridge. And I don't know why. If you come up it, you go down the same way. But a lot of people get lost by kind of feeling the pull coming down. It would be lookers left going down into that valley and a lot of people have disappeared and gotten lost in there so i think on the standard route at least it's really important to to stay on the ridge And i know that's totally changing the subject but i think it's worth mentioning because i've read a lot of reports of people getting lost and dropping straight off the face yeah so what are the numbers with people who have gone missing and, and have never yeah. been found Bermuda triangle
2: of uh, three or four i know that yeah. it's yeah i mean and that's crazy that the Bodies have never been found. Like, people have just literally disappeared on Holy Cross. I know, um, you know, personal story when I did Halo Ridge and I came down uh, the North Ridge, I had read all these reports about, you know, you have to stay on the ridge, you, you know, all these people have been lost. There was something really weird, I, and I don't think I've ever experienced this on any other route, but I, I felt pulled to go to the West. When I Weird. knew, I knew, like I'd read so many times, just stick to the ridge. Or... But you look and it's just, it, it, it calls to you. It called, at least to me. And it was like this feeling of like, this is a better route. I should go this way. This is where I should go. And you really had, I really had to be committed. And like you know, thankfully, I've read a lot of these reports about people who've gone missing on the route. Um, but there was definitely, for me at least, I felt this pull. Towards the that Bermuda Triangle.
1: That's crazy. I didn't yeah.
2: know
1: that about yeah. it. Wow. No, there's those six-foot-tall Cairns along that whole ridge that they're hard to miss, but, like, people drop off that ridge all the time. Well, because
0: you're also running close to that ridge with there's snow on it. So we had a lot of snow and almost a cornice Ridge yeah. on the very ridge proper. We so we skirted the right probably more than you would if there was snow wasn't there. He
1: mm-hmm.
0: said so Jerry Roach's book, at the behest of the Eagle County Sheriff, he says there's three big fears of holy or big big um, things, warnings that he wants to give people in his route, route description. The one is that, that the pool to go the wrong way when you're descending the, the 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 north ridge route. The second is the fact that if you're doing the halo ridge route, you don't have water. So people, a lot of people run out of water on the halo ridge route and get in trouble. And the third is the fact that on the north ridge route, you have an extra 2,000 feet gain. You're doing a normal 14, or you're gaining 3,000 feet. Uh, this one, you're doing 3,000 feet, but have to regain... Thousand feet both ways, so it's you know it's 5,200 feet or 5,400 feet of elevation gain on a regular 14er. Huge day, huge two days.
1: Well, in either way, no matter, I mean, it's a it's kind of a cost benefit analysis that you have to do if you're going to do a two day thing. You're going to bring a heavy overnight pack in up and down half moon pass, you're going to have to bring that up and down and back out too. So, do you do the whole thing in one push in a day pack with a lighter pack backpack and then do half moon? both directions in, a, in an overnight pack. It's kind of up to you, but we found that it was valuable to do an overnight, if if nothing else, from just a fun factor. I mean, we really enjoyed making it a two-day deal. Yeah, I mean, why would you want less of
2: these mountains? That's why I think about these four teams, like, oh, I'm going to do this in a day rather than two days. Yeah, that's that's fine, but I think the experience of spending, you know, spending a night, and spending more time on the mountain, well, I, I, I'm never going to be a record setter in terms of time, so, like, I would rather spend the extra day and just enjoy the mountains, but mm. that's just me.
3: One of the things we did encounter when we came back up over Half Moon Pass um, at that at that day, obviously you had woke you, know, you wake up early, you summit the, the peak, come back down, you break down camp, you hike back out over Half Moon Pass. But at that point, you're if, especially if it's in the Colorado summers, you're hitting that oh, yeah, a, good, that good lightning thunderstorm mid afternoon window. And there is some trickiness in terms of timing to make sure that you're not running into that lightning storm over Half Moon Pass. And we, t- we, we did. We had kind of, I wouldn't say a close call, but it definitely was rolling in on top of us.
1: It's weird because like when you do other, especially in the Swatch, or good rule of thumb, like very latest, be back to tree land by noon or whatever. And that's great on most things if you don't have to regain that extra thousand feet. So you're back to tree land by noon, you break down camp, come back out well, you go almost back up to tree line at half moon. So then one or two in the afternoon, you're sitting back at tree line and you're sitting duck on half moon pass. And it was cracking around us. It was kind of freaky. We were jogging out of there. That,
3: yeah, that was definitely one of the things that I guess I just hadn't thought of because on every, like Jay said, every other 14er, if you're down past tree line afternoon, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty safe. But because you have to climb back out of half moon, there's some – Thought right. of that timing of those afternoon thunderstorms that are rolling in. So just be cognizant of that if if that's your route.
0: Can you save the elevation gain if you do Halo
2: Ridge? No, because you're still going around the whole thing. You're still good, taking that East Ridge down to East Creek, and then you're still going back out. All right, if you do the above. whole ridge. So so what
0: if you, can you do Halo Ridge and redescend Halo Ridge and instead of going down the North Ridge? Yeah, but then, I mean, that would increase the lightning storm possibility because then you're on the ridge the whole time yeah and it's a longer day so but some people go up the north ridge and then go back out Halo Ridge. go go the reverse of what you did yeah again I I think for me the lightning risk would
2: make that not a preferable route for me but so I,
0: I mean it's a long day if you start early you can't be in one you can't be done in the camping right you can't camp because you can't camp at East creek do the North Ridge, go around Halo Ridge, because it doesn't put you back through East Creek. Right. You have to go back You have to, go back to the Half Moon Trailhead.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Here's a question. I'll, I'll throw this out. Um, we, we've asked this on a couple other of our episodes. Where would you rank this among other Swatch 14ers and then among other Class 2 14ers in terms of just your subjective difficulty, be it length or technicality, where would you rank it?
2: Um, let's see, in terms of the Sawatch, yeah, I would say it's, it's, uh, right up there with the hardest, They're very, yeah, you know, especially Halo Ridge, if you do the Halo Ridge, and, and I think even the standard route, you're, you're looking at one of the hardest. There, there could be harder Sawatch 14ers if you did the standard on Holy Cross, cross and a non-standard on another Sawatch, but, um,
0: it's right up there for sure.
1: Comparing apples to apples, standard to standard,
0: that Shivana was pretty challenging because it was a full day, and it's probably an extra 1,000 feet above a normal Sawatch range 14er. A lot of elevation gain people don't know. Kind of the
1: religious bookends of the range are both kind of difficult.
3: I um, thought Tabogwash um, was a grind. I really did.
1: Yeah. Because we from did from it non-standard. Yeah. yeah,
3: we did it from a different route. But I thought out of the ones that i have done in that area, Holy Cross was tricky because there's that mental aspect of – the route that we did having to come back out over half moon after a full day of summoning a 14er and then having your heavy pack, you know, there's just a mental, it's a, it's a long one. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a long day.
1: I also thought there were a few spots too, where like you were dropping a hand or using a hand to get up, like not, not approaching class three, but I can't think of others to watch 14 ers on the standard route where I'm using my hands to kind of navigate through the boulder field. And I felt, I found myself, you know, we had, you know, pick up Samson to navigate boulders and we weren't super careful about following Karen. So we could have gotten off route a little bit, but, um, I felt like it was a little steep and the boulder field was, you know, three point contact at times too. So technicality wise, maybe up there also for the range.
0: So I'm looking at the the route description here. So Halo Ridge is 52,000 feet of gain Standard route, uh, North Ridge, is 5,600 feet of gain. So you you save 400 feet of elevation gain by doing Halo Ridge, but you add a couple extra miles. Um, round trip on uh, the North Ridge is 12 miles. Halo Ridge is 15. But you get to see the Holy Cross.
2: Yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said for
0: that. Would you go back and do the Cross Corps? Now with your backcountry experience and you have some skins i mean we're sitting here in new york that we had to skin into it's
2: tempting what worries me about the cross coir is if you do fall it, the as i understand it the bottom part of it is a pretty sheer fall so you know as you go up you're going up really steep stuff and then it kind of gets a little bit less steep as you get closer to the summit. But if you fall, <clears throat> you're going to tumble down and eventually get to a point where you're going to fall straight down. And that's where skiing, I, apparently skiers have gotten into trouble where they've they've skied down and tried to ski down all the way, which you apparently can't do. You have to cut over at a certain point because it's just a, just a sheer cliff at the bottom. So I think it'd still be hesitant to do the cross-covar. I think the Angelica is much more
0: moderate. So if I was going to do a... Where's the Angelica? A, that part of the you still hike into the, near the Bullteers Lake there and then. Nope, nope. There's, a, there's so there's three couloirs. I can't.
2: The one that goes up the Bullteers, that might be called the Teardrop Couloir, I think. And that's pretty. That looked pretty steep. I don't know much about that. Cross Couloir is the steepest, and then the Angelica is the one that you can see when you go up the standard route. And that's a, I think a little bit gentler. If I
0: was gonna do a winter climb, I, that's probably what I would do on the Holy Cross. Well, that saves all the elevation gain for the very end. So mm-hmm. you basically hike in the same East Creek Crossing. You camp there. But instead of keeping on the North Ridge, you ba- basically break off just after you cross the river. You hike into the yeah, Boleteers there.
2: A, I think there's a lot... Well, no, you don't go that far. Boleteers is, is way far south, and, uh, like around. So you'd have to go around the cross Water to get to the Boleteers. is the one that's like right... <clears throat> Right there. Um, and you see the Angelica Cool War from Half Moon Pass? Yeah. Yeah, that's, okay. that's, a, that's one you see. Um, but I think there's still some considerable like bushwhacking to get to the start of the Angelico Cool War.
1: I think the cross-caller is an iconic... I may be mistaken, but I think even Chris Davenport, when he did his iconic ski descents of North America, I think he put Holy Cross as one of them. I think it's just so picturesque and so aesthetic. Definitely a bucket list line for me. I, I think, if I'm being honest, I need to get a little more comfortable with myself or rest skills, just as a snowboarder in no-fall zone. Um, but I think, I mean, I know people who have done it. I think it's a pretty iconic line. I think it would be awesome. I think the worst part of it would be the approach. I've read winter reports of people doing that, and you have to camp at the trailhead because you've done an entire day going up Taewon Road. Right, it's extra eight miles. And then top of Half Moon Pass, and then you do the rest in a push, and then camp on the way back. So it is a, it's a four-day deal at minimum.
2: Yeah, it's like bush bushwhacking nightmare to, to
0: find the bottom of the cool water. What is the best place to get some food around there?
1: I think oh, we all know the answer to this question. I don't. I don't know. Have <laughs> you, ever,
0: you ever ate around Mintern, or the, uh, no. go the
2: other way and go to Red Cliff? or? No, I, I would say, you know, Mountain House oh. Dehydrated Meal is the best food Whoa. that you can find on Holy Always a
1: minimalist. <laughs> you gotta oh, check out the Backcountry wings. wings. Yeah.
0: At the Cowboy Bar. This is the Backcountry oh, Wing man. place at the Cowboy Bar. Best wings, hands down, I've ever
1: had. I think I've completed my quest for the perfect wings, and that's it. That's the best wings we've ever had. Even their medium's got a nice kick. Their hot's just the right amount of hot. I haven't tried the. The extreme heat, yeah, but they're nice and lightly fried. Man,
3: they're good. We went to
1: a barbecue place after Holy Cross, but we've kind of fallen in love with that place, Backcountry Wings, ever since. Did
0: you ever go the other way, head toward Redcliffe and go over that big suspension bridge on Mm -hmm. that road toward Tennessee Pass, I, I I've driven. That's a cool drive. Yeah. Yeah. Is there is like a red red line? What's the name of that rest? is restaurant? Is there a restaurant? There's a Mexican restaurant there, and the bar is like a suspension bridge, like mirrors, the yeah. suspension bridge over the canyon there, and Red Cliff. Uh, how about that weird ghost town? Do you see? you ever go that way and look at that weird ghost town? It's like a nuclear fallout, toxic yeah. ghost town. You know what I'm not. talking about? It's before you get to Red Cliff. There's all those the houses that have like all the windows bashed in and. No. know What that is? You're... Tell me about it. <laughs> Let's look at this up. It's called, what's it, Gillum? Gillum? Gil, Gil, Gilman, Gilman. Gilman,
3: Gilliam. Gilliam. Nah, <laughs>
0: Gilman. And so it was founded like in the Colorado Silver Boom in the late 1800s. Excuse me, I'll um, put
1: another log on. Yes, then, we have a fire. And then
0: the, <clears throat> and then the zombies took over. And the or zombies what? took over, yeah. No, it was closed by the Environmental Protection Agency in 1984. So you have this long history of these places, building these uh. Houses for these workers. Had a bowling alley, had a two-lane bowling alley. You go in there, like Google it sometime and look at pictures. There's like these, like really fall. It's like a nuclear fallout weird uh, area. Wow. Abandoned cars still there. Abandoned uh, telephones. Can you still bowl? (laughs) <laughs> I don't think can still bowl nuclear I think I was just saying it's nuclear. It's like a nuclear fallout. I just think it's a, It's the Environmental Protection Agency says toxic pollutants, radioactive bowling, Gillum. <laughs> we can start it back up.
3: I think w- one of the reasons too wasn't it that they had those weird sinkholes that were happening in that town too, but because they had tunneled in certain ways that it wasn't safe. Just to I think be it's right. in that area, and you could fall. So through you can't the road hike. I mean, time. you could sneak
0: in there and jump jump fences and hike through there. It'd be really kind of cool. Because it's right on the, the cliff there of the Eagle River.
3: The
0: bunk. You see like a six hundred foot cliff there. It's a beautiful area, but
3: a very weird feel.
0: I don't know. I'd bowl there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Post, Where
3: wouldn't you Post holy
0: cross bowling. them. <laughs> <Kill him. laughs>
1: Sean doesn't bring food or water, but he's packed his bowling ball. <laughs> I took the bowling ball and my bowling shoes around
2: Halo Ridge. <laughs> you never know when you're going to come across a bowling alley. The dude abides.
0: Pro tip, pro it. tip. The dude abides. Did you make it up that half? Oh, you, you hiked up the half moon. See, I did it one time, and I did the Notch Mountain Shelter, but I didn't do the full circle. I just mm-hmm. hiked up the Notch Mountain yeah. Shelter. I camped uh, right off the turnoff for the Notch Mountain sh- Turnoff. It's probably like three miles in. After you know the... what,
2: that's actually that's a good thing to talk about. Like, if you don't feel like you want to do the Halo Ridge, which is very committing, but you still want to see the Holy Cross, hike up to the shelter, hike back down, and then another time do the standard round Holy Cross, and then you summit it, and you've also seen the Holy Cross. You don't you don't need to do Halo Ridge to see the Holy Cross couloir I think that's a good good thing to do. Did you have a fire up
0: there when you were in camping up in Notch, Notch Mountain?
2: No, but there. So there were candles in the. There's a fireplace in the notch mountain shelter. Again, notch mountain shelter. The, the forest service does not allow you to to stay there overnight anymore. Um, but when it I was, beautiful. This was describe years this ago. shelter, though. It's a beautiful. Oh, it's, big it's stone, awesome stone glasses, shelter windows um, with windows. Uh, it's it's huge fireplace rigged so that you know lightning's not going to cause any problem. It has a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Lightning, Lightning rod. rod.
1: Lightning rod. Who built it? Do we know?
0: It's run by the Forest Service, and it was built in nineteen twenty-four. Is I
2: so. Um, so I spent the night, and you know, the afternoon thunderstorm came up in the late afternoon, and so I saw a thunderstorm over Holy Cross, and I woke up in the morning and saw the alpenglow Glow in the morning over Holy Cross, and um, so I did not bring any firewood up, but I, there were candles in the that people had left in the fireplace, so you could light candles, and I mean, I remember sleeping in the shelter. There was like a big brown rat that like woke me up in the middle of the night on one of the rafters, which was kind of cool. But it was quite an experience. It's too bad that the forest services and a lot of people to spend the night there anymore. But but you but you'd have to hike because there's no trees around. You're way above tree Oh yeah yeah yeah. So you you have to bring a lot of water. Have to bring a lot of gear with you.
0: Yeah, it makes things much more difficult. Could you take those uh, InstaLogs or those uh, what they call DurLogs up there? Is that what you- yeah yeah you? It's gonna be. Heavy, but that yeah. in your bowling ball—that <laughs> yeah. just makes it more difficult. <laughs> I want to do a little trivia here. Uh, so, who—the first winter ascent was done by a bunch of college kids in 1966 on New Year's Day. What college were these college kids from?
1: I'm raising my hand. <laughs> I'm gonna take a wild guess and say Holy
2: Cross University. Holy Cross University, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you could guess like. Um, you didn't answer in the form of a question. What is <laughs> so. what is Holy
3: what Cross, is Holy cross
0: University? University? Do we have more trivia? They say the first person to, call, to give credit was a lumberjack to climb the Cross couloir in 1912. No trees
1: up there. But what
0: they, they said there was there. evidence that there was someone else that done it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: Then uh, of course I want to give credit to this uh, old uh, book from 1970 by I would you say that Erberhart and Schmuck. Yeah, read both of Yeah, I would say yeah, uh, Erberhart and Schmuck.
2: That is
0: Schmuck. Really interesting, uh, great coffee table book uh, written in 1970 where a lot of the elevations are completely different than the elevations they are today. A lot of discussion of what 14ers or which do qualify as 14ers and are no longer 14ers because different elevation changes, uh, you know, better ways of measuring elevation. Hmm. Holy Cross was officially designated a 14er in 1964, 65. So we're sitting here in a year, 55 years after Holy Cross was designated a 14er. I wonder what kind of water filtration they had 55 years ago.
2: So, yeah, I mean, that's a... It's a great – when you're talking about 14ers, you're always going to have to filter water, purify water. Um, For years, I used a SteriPen, and I still like a SteriPen. In the past three years, I've switched to Aquamira just because it's lighter. I don't need to worry about batteries. But what's Aquamira? So Aquamira is a – I don't know the chemical name of it, but basically (laughs) it's two two different chemicals that you mix together. You have an an A chemical and a B chemical – you mix them together, five drops of each, or seven, five or seven drops of each. kind of depends on how much water you're purifying. And you and then you let it. The two chemicals mix for a couple minutes. They turn yellow. And then you put it in a half liter of water. And then you wait 20 minutes, and it, and it uh, kills anything in the water. So it's lighter. No batteries. No batteries. You do have to wait, though. It's so unlike a SteriPen, um, it... it It doesn't taste funky if you just drink it. If you boil it to cook something, I've I've noticed when you boil it, for some reason, it does taste a little weird if you boil and have coffee or something. But for me, uh, when you go longer routes, it just, you know, the fact that it's lighter and uh, I don't have to worry about carrying extra batteries, it works for me in the last couple of years.
1: We hike with, with a guy who uses a full on gravity filter, Rich, which is great for like a through hike. But I think he's found that to be too heavy. And so Tay Jack and I both use our uh, MSR trail shot, which it's a a little miniature about the size of a cliff bar hand pump with a hose. Mm. And you can fill about a Nalgene per minute. Um, So, and you know, know the filter is not working when it doesn't pump water anymore. And then you just, you can actually um, clean it in the field and all this stuff. So it's, very, very light, uh, a little slower than your Aquamira stuff. You can purify water faster than I can. Um, also, a little taxing on the hands. Sometimes you need to switch, but it's it's as light as anything. And we really enjoy that. And that, uh, I mean, you can even filter still water, like on Holy Cross, and it's wonderful. What do you use?
0: I carry a SteriPen. It requires some of those weird batteries, and make, make sure you have batteries. But it's basically like a UV light that, that kind of messes with bacteria's ability to replicate I think that goose up their RNA or something. And so you're still drinking the bacteria, but the bacteria is not being able to multiply in your gut. And so that eliminates most of the risk of uh, drinking any water like that. And the
2: great all thing right. about Sterapan, I mean, so it has, I mean, all of these things have drawbacks, right? But um, with a you the drawback is, yeah, it's a little heavier. You have to have batteries, but you can drink the water instantly, and it has no change in flavor because it's, it's just a UV light, so it's not changing the flavor. So you can drink water from a mountain stream as it was meant to be tasted, which is kind of cool. When I so I bought a Steripen. You know, I don't use it as much anymore. I still do use it sometimes, but um, the reason I bought it was I was in an REI and the salesman at REI was saying like, yeah, I just got back from India and I was drinking water out of the Ganges River and I was using the SteriPen and I never got sick.
1: Great it was so like,
2: nice. you know, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, you think of how polluted that river is and people like float dead bodies down it and, you know, defecate in it and it's like, okay, yeah, and I used my SteriPen
0: and I didn't get sick. So I was like, okay.
1: But how did it taste? <laughs> it tasted
0: like dead bodies. <laughs> but I don't think it's immediately obvious that Water filtration is the first thing you do when you start climbing 14ers because I think people start doing greys and tories and beer stod and quandary and doing one dayers, where they bring the water the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the you transition to the next level and you're doing backpacking trips and you're camping, making two dayers, where you start you need to start investing in a thermo-rest, a good camping mat, and a good water water filtration system. Well, that's what I think is so cool about the 14ers. Like
2: if you do them in the right order, and unfortunately people as we know, do not do them in the right order. There are people who try to do capital peak the first fourteen or that they do, and bad things happen. But, but but if you do them in a in a good order, you, you learn the skills you need. You learn how to filter water. You learn how to pack. You learn how to spend the night in the woods. You learn all of these things. Wool socks. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, it's why they're the great educator, I think. The 14ers, if, you know, if you're a Coloradan and you want to learn how to do these outdoor things, the 14ers are a great educator.
3: I would agree with that. I think Holy Cross was my 13th 14er, like that, yeah. and it was one of those where it was the first time that I had actually camped for a 14er, which...
1: From a backpacking standpoint,
3: we've camped, a, camped trailheads. Right, right, right. Yeah. So to clarify, we had camped before at, you know, the trailheads to 14ers, and, um, but this was the first time actually backpacking in and camping overnight and then summiting and having the extra logistics of bringing food and, like you said, you know, bringing water filtration systems. And uh, it was a really gentle education, Melton, for me.
0: I don't think I bought a. Water filtration system till second year I was here in Colorado. And I I, was be- I didn't have a backpack here, or or a sleeping bag
2: till I don't know maybe my second or third year in Colorado. It was a pretty late, surprisingly. You know, looking back on it, it's like wow, I didn't have a I didn't have a backpack or a sleeping bag for like the whole first year I did 14ers. But yeah, I think that's true. I'd, I'd have to double check, but it, you know, for at least most of the summer. Of the first year and even into
0: the second year. I don't think I had a sleeping bag or a backpack. What would be the first thing if you had $200 REI? Someone moves to Colorado tomorrow. Say, what's the best? What would you invest in?
1: Plane ticket back wherever they came <laughs> 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 They went, went there
0: a native Coloradan, huh. came back from college, and they were going to get into 14 hiking. Mm-hmm. What would be the first gear you... sleep Sleeping pad. No Even bag? more
2: important than a sleeping bag. If you have a, a great sleeping bag without a sleeping pad, it's useless.
1: I would say an excellent pair of boots. Boots are worth their weight in gold. They're your roots.
3: I don't know. I think I would say some functional layers. Some layers that make sense. Because I started climbing fourteeners in cotton. And as... The exiled Michigander would say cotton kills and I think that's true. I think having good base layers and good layering systems so that you're not miserable for your whole hike.
0: Two more questions. If you had to do Holy Cross again, what route? What would you do? How would you do it? So
2: if if you are an experienced fourteener hiker, if you've done twenty, twenty five, you feel pretty comfortable camping out, I think the experience of the Halo Ridge is not to be missed. It's just a, an amazing experience. Seeing the Holy Cross Couloir going around the Halo Ridge and then coming back down the standard route is just uh, its pretty thrilling. I mean, it, for me, it's one of my highlights. It's top
0: five. You sold too, though, so it's a little different than Yeah, true. going with a group. But I said, what, what would you do differently, though, if you had... You've already done the Halo Ridge route down the down the North Ridge back out with would, the bivvy. If I could do it again? Yeah, what would you do again? I would do it again. It's the exact same route. Exactly. I wouldn't change a thing. All right. That's I, fair.
1: I would love to do like an April or May ascent, probably May.
0: And skin that eight um, miles or what?
1: Or or take the sled in and start at the standard trail. I'd take the splitboard in, climb the couloir, and it's – I mean – I may be uh, out kicking my coverage here, but I would love to snowboard that cool hour one day. That would be the way I would do it again. The snowmobile makes it a little more realistic for me on the approach.
3: I think if I could give the advice of on the other end of the spectrum, where it is your first camping experience on a 14 or backpacking in, I really love the experience that we had. And climbing in, climbing up, hiking out it was the first time that I really had to mentally be strong and you know you think outside of just the day 14er
1: so is that how you would do it again
3: I don't know if it's how I would do it again now that I've now I've done more 14ers and have more experience but I think if I was giving that advice to someone who it is you're you know you're ready to take that next step in your 14er I don't know career or whatever you want to say Um, where you're outside of that day hike. But if I were going to do it again, I maybe would do the, um, I would love to see the cross cooler, I think on the second, second go around. But the first time that I did it, the standard route, it was still spectacular. The view is still incredible. Everything about it is still a beautiful, beautiful route. It's just a little more manageable for someone who it's their, you know, 10th or Whatever fourteen.
1: It's a fantastic introduction overnight.
3: Absolutely. 14s, to,
1: to if you have bug spray.
3: If you have bug spray.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've done so. I mountain biked and then did to Notch Mountain Shelter, camped one night, and then hiked up from Notch Mountain Shelter, but got there right about eight a.m. and saw the great sun on the cross, and, um, and then it was. I was afraid about the mountain spiders. I didn't want to go across <laughs> the <to> Hale Ridge. <laughs> That's why well, But we camped down near Notch Mountain Trail, so we would have had to go Halo Ridge to the summit and then retrace Halo Ridge back to Notch Mountain Shelter and drop. And so we just decided that it was good enough to see the Cross cool war, Uh and then we went back out. Uh, so I've seen the Cross cool war, I've been in Notch Mountain Shelter, and then I've done the other way, North Ridge route, camped at the East Creek Crossing. So I would say I would do it a completely different way. I think I would hike in camp near the Bowl of Tears as a different route. And then see what that route is. There's a route, that, and Jerry Roach describes it up that ridge that like is halfway between Halo Ridge. So it's like, circling around that horseshoe. Teardrop Couloir. Yes, the Teardrop Couloir. Although I could easily be sold on the Angelica Couloir as well. But you could even day hike. I think if you're in the Vale area, day hike up Half Moon, and just the view of that rugged mm-hmm. side of Holy Cross is uh, it was worth a what three-hour day hike.
1: There were people doing that when we uh. did it.
0: But the real question was: You get three questions, uh, not three questions, three words. Three words to describe your experience on Holy Cross. Okay. What three words would you
2: choose? I would say, committing first and foremost. Whether you do Halo Ridge or the standard route, it's a very committing route. For me, doing the Halo Ridge, it was also very spiritual. I would use that word. Hmm. Um, seeing the cross couloir with alpine glow. I mean, it was, you know, it's it, it was quite it ranks up there in one of my top 10 spiritual experiences of my life. Uh, and just so so final committing and yeah, fi- final word would be solitude, because when I did it, I didn't, you know, again, I, I did, uh, did it early before they opened to go on war road. So I didn't see anyone else all day. So um, the solitude of it certainly was meaningful for me.
0: I'll go ahead and let you two finish. I will probably say rugged. Much more character than any other Swatch 14er. I would say my experience is buggy. Uh, and um, gain, maybe? It's just a lot of gain. You're, you're tired, and when you put your heavy pack back on after getting to Summit, uh, and you have to go back over Half Moon is is a lot more... It's tough.
1: I would say... The mountain when you come around the corner on half moon and you see it right in your face, it's it's imposing. It's it's right there you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to the top of that and it looks like something that doesn't belong in that mountain range, so it's it's imposing and because of that I'm also gonna use a, a word that I've used on other podcasts. It's iconic. <laughs> and I know I'm aware I've used this other word, but it's it's an absolutely iconic mountain. It's beautiful. And uh, I think it's a special mountain. From just the way it looks to the the feeling that and once you do it you'll know you get a feeling in your heart that this mountain gives you and it's you know if you do decide to make it a backpacking trip to special experience seeing the Alpin Glow on Holy Cross is a special experience I think there's just something very special about the mountain so I think special would be my third word for that nice
0: Tay Jack you can wrap us up here three words
3: three words I think uh Strength, I think that's an important one for this one. It was a matter of, yeah, mental strength to get in and out of that one, uh, to put on your heavy pack after you would climbed it and gone back out. I think that takes takes a lot out of you. Um, I would say smoky. Just my experience <laughs> was true. that it was very smoky. It was just a forest fire year, and so that was something that defined that route for me. And... I think that mountain is very stoic. There's something really mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. about that mountain. Um, it's shy. It's isolated. The
0: shy is good. Yeah. Shy. shy is great.
3: Maybe shy should be my word. Um, so yeah, smoky. It's shy, and you have to have a lot of strength. The triple s's. The triple. Nice. That's the amazing. alliterations.
2: Well, so the one thing I love about this segment, you know, the three-word segment, is it, for me it encapsulates in some ways the 14er experience because. 14er you do and you talk to someone about it there are a lot of things you share and it's like oh yeah this I, I had the same experience but there's so many things you don't share and that's mm-hmm. like more interesting like you know uh, so many of the people that i have summoned these 14ers with they have very different experiences than I did on it like no you know, I always think of North Mar- North Maroon, for me the first time I did it, it was one of the scariest 14ers I've ever done and other people have done it after me have been like yeah why were you so frightened That wasn't frightening at all like it was straight up you know you just follow the route and it was fine so i love this segment because it really kind of encapsulates this like the the difference and the the similarities that people have with 14ers so
1: Mm. yeah i like to just point out that these are kind of our thoughts and opinions and you're responsible for making your own decisions in the mountains so take everything with a grain of salt don't be stupid go enjoy yourselves and uh, we'll see you out there thanks for listening thanks guys
3: bye (laughs)
0: Ciao. <laughs>